So uh, I, I don't know. I, I'm not going to tell you not to invest in it or not to look at foreign currency. I think there are great reasons to look into it. But I don't see it the way I look at the stock market. The stock market's easy, believe it or not. But maybe it's because that's what I wrote my dissertation on, right? Like that's what I did in graduate school, um, particularly investor psychology and stuff like that. Um, and one of the things I found through my research on the stock market is that the stock market is literally just a treasure chest of massive amounts of wealth. Like, so, and I'll tell you the honest God truth. I don't know how anybody feels about this, but if somebody said, you know, boys, you know, you get to make one decision, you get to be king of the earth for one day. And um, we're going to give you two options. Either white people, Congress is going to write, you know, is going to pass a $3 trillion reparations package, right? So that's option one, right? That they're just going to do a $3 trillion reparations bill, maybe $3 trillion over five years or whatever. Or the other option is you could get every single African-American to invest 5 to 10% of their income in the stock market. Which would you rather have? I would actually rather have option B because I know just because I know the math that, you know, at a certain level that option B would increase black wealth by tens of trillions of dollars um, over, you know, probably before many of you are even, you know, dead and gone. Um, so st stock market investing is, it's like this weird, like unkept secret that's out there. There's so much money being made. It's not hard to do. Um, in fact, if you go to firstsharestock.com, if you haven't taken a look at that training yet, it's a free video. Um, you go to firstsharestock.com, I actually am able to show you how to get started investing in 10 minutes. And because I know the theory, like I understand um, certain certain really critical theories in, in stock market investing, I know exactly how much you need to know to continue to move forward. You know, um, a lot of people think they have to know a lot of stuff that you just don't really need to know. And then also what is happening, I, and, I, and it's okay. I mean, I see a lot of people on the internet that, that teach stock market investing. And on one hand, it's okay. It's good because they're getting people interested in investing. But on the other hand, sometimes they'll say things that make me cringe because I know it's just not true. And, but, but everyone will listen because a person says, you know, I bought stocks and I made money or I used to be a stockbroker or whatever, right? So I'm not saying that anybody's wrong. I'm just saying that it's not what you think. And I just encourage you to at least start with the basics. All right. Uh, do you think movie theaters will ever bounce back? Um, I hope that they do, but I don't know. I mean, the thing about this COVID thing is that this is a liquidity crisis. Um, this is a liquidity crisis because a lot of these businesses, you know, have good business models and a lot of them can really wait out a storm for a very long time, but they can't wait forever. They're going to run out of money. Most businesses die from, uh, from running out of cash than from, you know, from not making a profit. So the question becomes, you know, you have this desert almost like an economic desert. So think about the human body when it gets dried out and it doesn't have enough water. Well, eventually you, you, you're going to die because you have to irrigate, you know, and we're not doing enough financial irrigation. Um, so what disappointed me about these stimulus talks is that you're negotiating on behalf of an economy that is really, really thirsty. This economy needs liquidity, unlike any other time, you know, in recent American history. And you drop the ball because you're, you're trying to posture to win an election or you're trying to pursue some other agenda. That's unforgivable to me because a lot of businesses are going to die and they're not going to come back. Sometimes a dead business is like a dead body. 
you, once you cross that line, it's done. Like getting back to where you were is hard to do. It's easy to take a business that's struggling, that's on the brink and bring it back. You can do that in a couple of days, but to take a dead business that goes, that goes bankrupt and then, you know, replace what was there. That's hard to do. So a lot of these restaurants and bars and stuff like that, that are being slaughtered by this pandemic, um, or, or really not even by the pandemic, it's by the politicians and their management of the pandemic. Um, they're not coming back, you know. So it reminds me of um, when I talked to the minister of health the other day. It was a brother named Nathaniel. He goes by the name of the minister of health. He said that he was talking about cancer, and he said one of the leading causes of death for cancer is the treatment of cancer. That the treatment he, he compared uh, radiation to setting off a nuclear bomb inside your body. And he said that the treatment is what kills a lot of people. So I think now it's the treatment of, of this pandemic that's going to end up killing a lot of businesses. So um, let's see, John Alexander. Thanks, Doc. I got in and you helped me focus on the long-term investments. Keep doing your thing. God, thank God we need more teachers like you. Well, God bless you too, brother. Thank you so much for those kind words. Uh, Kirk says, my portfolio is bleeding, and I just invested in recovery stocks last week. But better days will come. They will come. You know, be patient, Kirk. Don't, you know, don't be scared. Don't be, don't freak out. Uh, one of the biggest mistakes that was made in the 2007 market crash, according to um, John Rogers, who was a, the billionaire out of uh, Chicago, is uh, a lot of black people ran. Like, because I, I told you guys, I, I hate saying it like this, but I, I really believe black people kind of scare easily. I don't know if you agree. Give me a yes or no if you agree. I, I kind of feel like there's some of us, not all of us, but we get that whole bug-eyed slave thing, right? Like, oh, Lord, Jesus, what's going to happen to us? Oh, my goodness, right? And, 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 they, and they scare the hell out of you in every election or whatever. Um, and so what happened with the stock market is that a lot of people that were investing were investing reluctantly with fear and easily triggered to the point where, they weren't ready to ride out the storm. It's like when New Edition said, you know, sunny days, everybody loves them. I, love, I should sing it, right? Sunny days, everybody loves them. But tell me, baby, can you stand the rain? And then Johnny Gill comes in. Remember that, right? Well, the thing is, the question is, can you? Thank you very much, Bridget. I know you're lying. She said I, I can sing, but you you know I can't sing. But anyway, but but the point of the, that that question, I think, applies to investing. It applies to anything. You know, if you can't stand the tough times, if you run every time something gets hard, you're not gonna be successful. Like like so, you should never enter a relationship with somebody who can't stand the rain. Somebody who really doesn't know how to go through tough times and and keep going. People like that always end up divorced. They never. Their, their, their big investment in their marriage and their family, it never works out because they can't stand the rain. They can only handle sunny days. They don't know how to deal with the days that are not sunny. Well, investing is the same way. You know, you've got investors who are more laid back, more long term, um, you know, ready for, you know, to be in this for the long haul because they have this thing called faith. Then the faith is, you know what? It's down for a while. I'll keep investing consistently. It's going to work itself out. But then you got people who are real jittery, you know, almost like traders, you know, in the sense that they're just like anything that goes wrong, they, they're triggered. They, they drop, sell, and run, 
Why? Well, because in the back of your head, you have these biases that are already there. Your grandma put it in your head when she told you, baby, don't you ever invest in the stock market. Stock market is bad. Stock market is going to cause you to lose everything. Hold it. And then you got your crazy uncle that's telling you how the whole economy is going to crash and the dollar is going to collapse and the world's going to come to an end. Right. So you're carrying all this with you. So you're moving, you're treading very carefully because you're so scared. And any little thing that goes wrong, you jet out and run. Right? People do that in relationships, like traumatized people or maybe people who have daddy issues or mommy issues. They do that in relationships. Well, a lot of people that have investor issues um, do that when it comes to investing uh, because they have what um, there's a, a concept for this. It's called Bayesian priors. Bayes, B-A-Y-E-S, Bayes statistics. Any statistician in the room knows exactly what I'm talking about. But Bayesian statistics talk about these prior biases that affect how you respond to new information. So let me give you an example. And it all links back to trust. So for example, let's say I'm a, a racist uh, person. This is what gets, has, causes people a lot of problems in, in corporate settings or you know whatever. Well, when I used to teach at Syracuse. So let's say you have a racist student who doesn't even realize that they have subtle racial bias. So they see a young black man come up and they're like, wait, he's the professor? Right. So he's young because he's young and he's black. He can't be my professor. Are you kidding me? And let's say that I come into class and I tell him something and it turns out to be wrong or I make a mistake. Well, you know, what's going to happen is that mistake is going to be overweighted in his perception of me going forward because he's going to say, "Ah, you know, I knew these people were unqualified. See, that proves it. Right. Whereas down the hall, he's learning from some old white guy with a beard who looks like a professor. He's 50, 60 years old. You know, he, he looks, look, he just looks like what he thinks a professor is supposed to look like. That same professor can make the same mistake and his reaction will be totally different. Why? Well, because there's trust there. He say, Oh, the professor made a mistake, but the black guy, Oh no, that, that mistake proves he's unqualified, right? That's what a Bayesian prior is. So that actually applies itself in relationships when you have somebody that doesn't they claim that they can trust people but they really can't trust people because the minute one thing goes wrong he's he's two minutes late for the date did you like oh no i knew it i knew it or he did he forgets to call at eight o'clock he's gonna call at eight but instead he calls at 8 30 like oh no see i knew he wasn't trustworthy right when really you might just be talking about your daddy like your daddy wasn't trustworthy so in your mind every man isn't trustworthy which means you give him a very thin margin of error the minute he messes up you're out Right. Well, investors can sometimes do the same thing. They will look at investing in completely the wrong way. Um, when when uh, there was a lot of you know discussion about, for example, the Tulsa fund, the Tulsa real estate fund, which I invested in. And uh, and there were people that were saying, you know, like, I don't like the fund. It's, it's bad. This is this. And I'm not saying I disagreed or told people what they had, you know, could and could not believe. But I said, what are you basing that on? And people would say, oh, well, because I believe they lost money this year. And what I had to explain is that a lot of good investments lose money, right? Um, it takes time for an investment to gain momentum. So it doesn't mean that you're totally wrong. It doesn't mean it's not possible that the fund may not be a good investment, but you don't have enough information yet. And you're, you're eyeballing every little step of the way to the point where the fund manager can't operate uh, with the, the, the flexibility necessary to go out and make hard decisions and not be worried that the minute something goes wrong, you're going to bail. It's like it's like a basketball coach putting in a player and the minute he misses a shot, he pulls him out or put it in your quarterback. And the minute he throws one interception, you pull him out. You can't he's never going to be comfortable enough to play well for you because he's afraid that if he makes one mistake, 
he's gone, right? It, but so that's why coaches will express support. If their quarterback has a couple of bad games, they'll say, oh, this is our quarterback. This is who we're sticking with, right? And that's saying to him, look, just relax and focus on playing the best game you can play and just know that you have you know, a, a wide margin of error. Well, with investing, I think you have to give yourself a wide margin of error. The stock market is going to have some bad days. You're going to have some bad months, actually, maybe even some bad years, right? And uh, and, and the mistake that you don't want to make is, is what people made in 2007. John Rogers proved that black people lost well over two or three trillion dollars because when the market went south, we grabbed our money and bounced. So many people would pull their money out because they were so scared of losing anything. And then when the market recovered, all that money went over to white people. But of course, that's oppression caused that. It wasn't our decision making because nobody wants black people to believe that we are uh, capable of being empowered decision makers. People want to believe that we're victims. All right. So let me keep going. Uh, Thomas Christian, how do you buy Chinese stocks? Uh, look into a mutual fund that, that invests in China. That's what I would do. Stash can get you invested in China. That's a good way to go. Um, let's see if Mexico Supreme court legalizes legalizes marijuana, how would this impact marijuana markets in Canada and the U S in terms of investments? Hmm. Let me think. Excellent question there, Sharon. I would say it would probably create some problems and pressure because that would mean Mexico would become the place to be. If you want to go and, you know, set up shop and manufacture uh, marijuana, which means that U S companies might be late to the game. Kind of like stem cell research. I think the Chinese, because they view stem cells differently from a spiritual standpoint than Americans do, I think that they're like way ahead of us in stem cell. But maybe I could be wrong about that. So that 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 could actually be true. Uh, DC says investing in stocks is like lending your friend money and don't expect to get it back. <laughs> um, well, you know, if you make the right types of investments and you diversify properly, um, your money shouldn't, you know, plummet into nothingness right if you if anytime anybody tells me that they invested and they lost everything that instantly tells me they invested wrong that instantly tells me you weren't diversified or you put all your money into your uncle's liquor store or whatever right you, you don't do that what what i would do is um is is always spread your money out now let, let's let's go back and let's look and see how the market's doing looks like it's down 800 points uh let me let me check to see what the latest news is By the way, we have financial workbooks for kids. If you want to take a look at financial flashcards, you can go to financialworkbooks.com if you'd like to take a look. If you have children, we cover all the gray bands. These are black-owned, black-invented. We work with black educators to create them. So feel free to go take a look, financialworkbooks.com. Um, looks like we're down 813 points, about 3%, which is a very big deal. Um, let's see here. Stocks, uh, Washington Post says stock market slide muddles trump's economic message days before the 2020 election hmm how convenient such a coincidence um let's see here i'm saying that sarcastically because I, I don't believe anything happens by accident I'm, I'm a i'm a little bit of a conspiracy theorist in that i know that they're always they're always playing a game uh let's see here um yeah there's going to be lockdowns uh jim kramer makes a good point he says that increase increased lockdowns are going to occur um, and you know, if you have lockdowns with no stimulus, that's where you get this crash from. I, I completely agree with that assessment. And, uh, and so my hope is that they'll change their mind on the stimulus, um, with the lockdowns, um, you know, progress on a vaccine 
can uh, probably mitigate lockdowns. I, I just can't imagine them not feeling some sort of pressure to give us a, a strong economy because I don't think the mortality rate, I think the mortality rate now is lower than what it was when the virus first came out. And so uh, there are a lot of people who aren't just aren't afraid of the virus. They, they just, they protect themselves, but they still want to go out and work and whatever. Um, the uh, let's see here. The uh, what else is here? Um, Delta Airlines fell 4.3%. Royal Caribbean lost 4.2%. Facebook, Alphabet, and Twitter, uh, FAT, the fat stocks, were also down sharply as their respective CEOs testified in front of the Senate. Uh, now that's interesting. That's going to um, be something I'll watch. I don't think they're going to do much. Now, here's one thing I wouldn't be surprised if there's a a blue wave in Congress, I'd be really curious to see if people like Elizabeth Warren would end up chopping up one of these companies. Like I, I feel like Amazon, Amazon and Google would be uh, you know, under the most pressure. Now I think people are just generally mad at Facebook because Facebook has a, a little bit too much power. So I think that's going to be interesting to observe. And I think Twitter got themselves in trouble when they censored that um, article about Joe Biden's son. I mean, it was an absolute mess. Uh, anyway, uh, let's see here. I'll just stick with stock market investing for long-term. Yeah, long-term investing is how people make continuous money. I, I think that's a, a better approach. Uh, who are the biggest stock scamming sites? Please expand on this. Ask Black Carter. Um, you know, I can't think of anything, to be honest with you. Um, I remember with crypto, there was something called BitConnect. And, um, and I, I warned people about BitConnect, but people got mad at me. People always get mad at me about stuff, but I like to believe that I'm ahead of my time. With BitConnect, I told people it was a Ponzi scheme and nobody believed me. And then next thing you know, BitConnect crashed and took everybody's money. And then, you know, but of course, no one believes you. They just think you're being a jerk by saying, you know, when you say, I remember telling you that. Right. But I don't say I told you so, but I did tell you so, it, you know. So I, I think um, just just like other stuff, you know, other areas, I, I don't really care about giving opinions that are unpopular. I'm not trying to be popular. I'm trying to be right. Uh, buy Visa or MasterCard. Smack it up, flip it, rub it down. That's a great name. Um, uh, you know, um, I don't know. I don't have a preference. I like I, I invest in Visa, but I, not because I don't like MasterCard. Uh, gold is not really a great wealth builder. No, it's not. Um, gold is a place that will is, is an asset that will keep you rich, but gold is not an asset that will make you rich. Um, so. Uh, that that's my two cents on gold. Um, let's see. What are the tax implications for a 14 year old buying stock and options? That's Philip. Uh, first of all, I would talk to a tax accountant about that, right? If you want to know tax implications and stuff, I'm not a tax accountant, but, um, you know, I mean, everybody pays taxes. So there, so I, I don't, you know, I mean, maybe it'll be folded into the parents income or something like that, but everybody pays taxes. So make sure you deal with the IRS. James, thanks for the stock market program. I always thought it was only for rich white people. <laughs> yeah, that's a big myth about the stock market. That the stock market is for rich people and white people. And um, and I think that the, um, you know, I don't know if you're liberal or conservative. Um, all, all, all mindsets are welcome here. I don't care who you vote for. But I just really, you know, personally, I'm not a big fan of people that they love to help black people realize how victimized we are. And they claim to protect us from the victimization, but they never agree with the idea of us empowering ourselves to protect ourselves. So um, why are we not encouraging black people to invest? 
you know, why are we only encouraging them to invest in, you know, in politicians or whatever? Um, that doesn't make any sense. I, I, I personally think you can do both. Stacy, with the upcoming market crash looming, is there a better way to minimize your losses in your 401k retirement plan? Or is it the best to ride the wave if you still have five years left? Yeah, five years is plenty of time. I saw, I saw a sister that mentioned she was 61. Well, I mean, unless you plan on dying at 62, uh, which, you, which you're not, we're not even going to put that in the universe. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't have like significant fear, like the conventional wisdom. And I've always questioned this and I question it openly now. When I was teaching at Syracuse University, the conventional wisdom out of the textbook was that if you were a senior citizen, say 60 or above, or either either in retirement or close to it, that you should have much, much lower risk in your portfolio. And the reason was not because these companies were more likely to go, or you, you had to worry about companies going bankrupt, because if you're diversified, you, you're, you're protected against a lot of that, but because there might be a crash, right? Time is the great risk factor. The big risk factor in investing is not so much the, the value of the asset as much as it is just the time you have to wait out the storm. You know, it's, it's like if it starts raining and you don't know when you're going to have to go outside, well, you get a little worried because you may run out of time. You may have to go outside before the rain stops. So um, so really, when you think about that, right, so so with, with older people, they tell them to take less risk because they have less time, because if the market crashes, you have less time to wait out for recovery. Well, the, here's the thing. Most bear markets, the average bear market, meaning when the market crashes and goes down like it did with coronavirus the average bear market lasts about 14 months 14 months so that means that even if the market goes to to hell and and plummets it takes an average of 14 months to get back to where you were before the rest of the time you're, you're having a party because you're buying all these stocks that are cheaper now than they're gonna be in the future or that they were you know in the past so if you see it that way like, it, let's say, for example, that the next 100 years of, of, of the stock market is similar to the last 100 years, then you've got nothing to worry about if you follow basic rules of investing. All the things that you've been told that scare you about investing, those things all go out the window if you simply buy and hold and diversify. If you do those two things, you've eliminated a big chunk of your risk. So just calm down and stop thinking the world is coming to an end. Stop listening to your crazy uncle who read some conspiracy theory book saying that the whole U.S. economy is going to crash and your dollars will be worthless. Those things could happen, but they haven't happened, right? So it's kind of like a nuclear war. If somebody says, well, don't go to work today because the nuclear holocaust can happen at any time. Yeah, it could, but it probably won't, which means I probably need to get up and go to work. or I probably need to keep trying to go to school or losing weight or whatever I was doing before. And if it happens, I'll deal with it then. So uh, don't let people, don't let people get you um, caught up in nonsense. That nonsense keeps us poor. You know, the word "poor" stands for passing over opportunities repeatedly. A lot of people stay poor because they just don't care to look for opportunities. Because it's much easier to sit back and do nothing and then say the white man did it. Like I'm, I'm sorry. I just, I, I see too much of that. I hear a whole lot of people talking about. Trump is racist or Biden's racist or I'm mad about this, this and this. But I don't see a lot of people saying, how do we empower ourselves? Why is it a crime to talk about us empowering ourselves and looking at that as the most effective way for us to climb out of our situation? 
Like that, that is the only method I know that actually works. The other methods do not work. I've never seen a day where white people got together and saved a million black people. I, I just haven't seen that day yet. So um, there you go. All right, Alric says, Doctor, hey, Dr. Boyce, thanks for all you do. You are welcome. My question is, do you invest in bonds at all? If so, why and what do you buy? You know what? Um, I think I invest in a couple of mutual funds with bonds in them. Um, I don't like bonds because bonds don't give a high rate of return. Um, I, I tend to like stuff that actually have to, has a chance to really move in value the way I want it to. And most of the bond funds I've looked at just didn't impress me, um, especially right now. Right now, I, most of the action I've seen, the most interesting stuff in the world is with, with equities and companies. And, you know, but that's the bias I have. Um, a lot of people invest in bonds and there's good reason to do that. I just I just I'm not one. I'm not one of those people. Uh, Marsha, how do you know when to rebalance your portfolio and how do you rebalance? Well, a lot of times what some people use is they might use rules of thumb. Like they might say, you know, okay, I don't want to break a rule that says I have too many of my eggs in one basket. So what might happen, for example, is if you have one company that's doing really well, like a lot of you guys bought Workhorse. When we started talking about Workhorse back when Workhorse was around 15, Workhorse used to be like $3 a share. And I found out about it when it was like 15. So Alicia and I made a killing off Workhorse just from 15. And then it went up way up to 29. And when it got really high, I had to rebalance because it was taking up too much of my portfolio. I was making too much money from that one company. When that happens, you should immediately be alarmed because now you've got this big tower, this big house of cards that can tumble at any moment. So once I saw that this stock was doing really well, after I finished doing the happy dance with Alicia about how much money we made, I said, okay, now how do we protect our wealth? That's that last step in the wealth building process. The wealth building process we teach in the Black Business School is figure out where the money's at, make a plan to go get the money, engage in the accumulation process so you can accumulate some money, and then protect your money, right? So we, we've done all those things. We figured out where the money was. We made a plan. I bought some of that stock. I accumulated. It was nice. Now you protect. So how did I protect? Well, here was the deal. Uh, Workhorse was having a, what I call a pregnant moment where the stock was about to, um, they were about to announce from the United States Postal Service whether Workhorse was going to um, get a contract with the U USPS to create electric trucks for them or something. And, um, and I knew that this could go either way. It could be bad or good news. And uh, actually, we didn't get bad or good news. We just got a delay. The, the USPS said, we're not going to make a decision until the end of the year. Well, here's the thing. I was thinking like, okay, if, 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 first of all, as the stock was rising, I kept writing call options on it because I wanted to get my money out as soon as possible. It was a highly volatile stock. I didn't want to wait around and hope for the best. I was just writing call options and generating a lot of income just from owning the stock. Right. Um, but then uh, once it got to a certain point and they were about to make the decision, I was like, I'm really nervous about this. So I went and I bought some put options. And when you buy put options, you're protecting against the downside. So the put options were there as like a, a trampoline to catch the stock in case it decides to jump off a building. And then um, also um, I had my shares. I bought a few shares just sitting there just kind of free floating in case something big happened so I could really win on the upside. Well, the, when the USPS made their announcement and said, we're not going to make a decision, the stock price started plummeting. Um, and what protected us against the plummet was that as the price was going down, the value of the put options was going up. So it didn't protect us against all losses, but it minimized our losses. And then also, 
the good thing was the call options I'd written, they all expired worthless, which meant I got to keep that money. If you know anything about writing options, you get to keep the money. If the, if the stock doesn't hit the strike price, then that money's yours. That's why I love to write put options. I, I don't, or excuse me, I, like, I love to write call options. It's, it's a great way to generate income from stocks. And then, um, you know, and that's what it was. And, and, and since that time, Workhorse has continued to drop. It's down, I think, back down in the teens. So if I just bought the stock at 15 or 16, then I would have had these massive gains and then I would have lost all those gains as the price declined. Um, but instead, because I made certain moves like writing the call options and all that stuff, I was able to get a lot of money out of it before it actually um, went back to 18. And also, um, you know, as this was happening, I had to constantly monitor how much of my portfolio was in this particular company. So if you get a stock that's doing really, really well, um, you want to shave that stock uh, to make sure it doesn't take up too much of your portfolio. Never put all your eggs in one basket. Uh, that's how people got ate up with Enron. Enron was a great company that did really well. People put their whole retirement account in Enron, and Enron went belly up. These people retired with nothing. Um, but then also you want to make sure you're spreading your money out in general. So you don't want to own two stocks or three stocks. You want to own like 20 or 25. And if you can't do that, then you may be looking to mutual funds. Mutual funds give you instant diversification because they're spread out all over the place. So that diversification piece is really important. So if you ever hear somebody say, I put my money in the stock market and I lost everything, just know I, can, I, can, I will bet you every nickel in my bank account that that person did not follow the rule of diversification properly. They did that wrong. Okay. So just keep that in mind as you move forward. Make sure you spread your money out. All right. So let me give you some stuff. Some of you are asking about options investing. The URL, if you want to check out our options investing class, uh, if you want to learn how to write call options or whatever, writing call options is a great way to generate income off your stocks without selling them. I I love it. I do it all the time. Um, But then I can also explain the dynamics of options and all that. I have a whole curriculum put together. You can go to blackoptionsinvesting.com. That's blackoptionsinvesting.com. The first month is a dollar. But also, if you use the code word Dr. Boyce, Dr. Boyce, uh, anything in the Black Business School, you can get 20% off. So feel free to go take a look at that. Um, and also, last but not least, I'll let you guys, um, there's something free you can have if, you, if you'd like to have it. Um, if you want to uh, learn to buy your first share of stock um, or you want to um, just get free, more free stuff on the Black Business School, uh, because, again, we, we have things that have a fee attached to them. And it's literally one one thousandth of what you paid in college, but you learn so much more. And all we do is think about black people. Like, you know, white universities don't think about black people at all. Uh, we all we do is we think about you. All of our science, all of our research is focused on you. We understand how to solve the wealth gap, the wealth equation. That's why. And it's, it's really interesting. It's playing out in this election. Um, you know, everybody from um, Charlemagne the Guide to Kanye West to Ice Cube when they're getting under the skin of these Democratic Republican politicians, all three of those people have talked to me and they talked to Dr. Claude Anderson. And what we basically laid out to them are very simple, very clear blueprints on how the black wealth issue can be resolved. It's very easy to solve. The problem is that there's no political will to actually get that done. You know, so that's why I was really happy, you know, to talk to Ice Cube because I know Joe Biden will never meet with somebody like me. I'm too smart to get onto his radar screen, but um, I, I just talked to Ice Cube and he listened and I said, here's what's going on. Here are the issues. Um, and, and you also have to give credit to Charlemagne. You know, he's, he's, he's on this platform with The Breakfast Club. He has all these millions of people that listen to him, um, people that, that aren't interested in what I do. I'm a nerd and, and I'm a part time asshole. So I'm sure I alienate a lot of people because I'm so infuriated that we're not solving simple problems. But I don't mind. I, I, don't, I love talking to people that can talk to more people. And basically, 
what you're running into now in this election is now you have scientists that understand what's really going on that are really involved in the conversation. And I think it's, it's ruffling some feathers, but we have to keep going, keep moving forward because these solutions are there. I can solve the racial wealth gap in a day. I can literally have one meeting in 20 minutes and get a five-step plan on exactly how we can solve the racial wealth gap. And so, so instead of waiting for them, um, I really want to solve it with you. I really want you to just understand that, look, if you get your child investing at the, at, a, at the age of three or four, like where you're buying stock for them consistently, then your child's going to have more money than most white people. Do you understand what I'm saying here? Are you listening to me? Like this is not, I mean, this is, it's, it's, it's revolutionary for some people who don't believe black people can have, you know, can have what white people have. Like, like some people believe black people are caught in a state of perpetual poverty, but that's just not true. Like literally, if you get your child invest, if you're investing for your child consistently at an early age, that child is going to have more money than most, not the average white person. They're going to have more money than most white people. All you got to do is buy them, you know, $20 worth of stock every week and do it consistently. Like have the money taken out of your account, buy the stock, have it in a little account. Don't even tell the child about it. Don't tell them about the money. Just surprise them when they're 25 years old. Surprise them, surprise them when they're 30. Here, son, here's a, here's $350,000 that I've been building for you, you know, since Dr. Boyce told me to do it way back in 2020. I swear to God, this is a proven mathematical formula. I'm a mathematician. I have a math. That is what my master's degree is, is mathematics. I taught math at the University of Kentucky. I've done the math. If you get your child invested at an early age, it is simple, but it's 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 real weird because because you'll provide a simple solution that actually works. And people, because they're so addicted to feeling like the problem can't be solved, they just they just don't hear you or something. I don't know. But I but I'm here to talk to you because you are listening. That's why you're here. If you do that, then that's going to solve 80, 90 percent of your child's financial problems. And their only problem they're going to have then is they're going to be doing well when everyone else is stuck on this struggleomics and woe is me. And, oh, my God, I'm black. That means I can never have a nickel. I can't do anything because I'm black. Right. And they're going to get mad because your son is like chilling they're going to, because it's, it's going to defy their logic. They're going to be like, wait a minute, you're a young black male. You shouldn't be doing well. You're not supposed to be doing well. You're supposed to be in the trap. You're supposed to be struggling. Right. Well, the reason that so many young black males are in the trap is because all they all we hear in hip hop music is about the trap, rapping about the trap, rapping about how hard it is to be black, rapping about death and dying and wasting your money and doing terrible things with your life. So they're being brainwashed. They're being fed a constant message of black death, black poverty, black genocide, black depression, black. It's, it's just bad. It's terrible to be black. Oh, my God. And if you are if you have the audacity to say you know, I've been black my whole life and it's actually not that bad. It's really actually, you know, it's actually worked out pretty well for me. Then suddenly you become an Uncle Tom. Like, seriously, that, that suddenly is like, oh, well, you don't understand. You don't understand. No, I understand the struggle very well. That's why I got out of it. Right. So the only conclusion I can come to is that maybe people are just built differently. Some people can consume information. Some people have more discipline than others. Some people have more ability to delay gratification. So that's why I'm talking to you. Right? I, I can't talk to everybody. I, I, I got I, I'm really thrilled that we got a chance to play our part in the process. Like I was really I, I was I mean, when I sat down and I talked to Charlemagne before he interviewed with Joe Biden, I said, "Ooh, now we, we got him. We got oh checkmate, you son of a bitch, because he can't answer these questions. And, and, and he went in and he asked those questions. You saw what happened. He he buckled. You see, white supremacy buckles in the face of black excellence. 
because black people are the most excellent human beings on the, in the history of this planet. Like, no, they, Joe Biden's ancestors did not divide, you know, survive slave dungeons and slavery and Jim Crow and mass incarceration. They, he doesn't have it in his DNA. And you put somebody like me head to head with somebody like him, he's going to lose. There's no question about it. So, um, so, so it's great that these conversations are finally out there. You know, I loved it when Kanye tweeted Powernomics. I said, this is epic for black people because now millions of our people are being exposed to a type of truth that goes beyond the, the, the sort of black victimization narrative that's re- repeatedly fed to us in every election cycle. Um, and then you had Ice Cube that in his own way just stood up to authority. He just, he did what public enemy talked about, fight the, fight the power. He just said, you know, I, I'm here. You must deal with me whether you like it or not. I know you want me to go away. That because that's typically the solution for the black man. We want him to just go away, just be quiet, shut up and rap, shut up and dribble, sit to the side, be quiet, boy. And he's like, no, you may not like me, but I'm here. Right. And that's the first step to creating a more effective conversation that actually leads to real solutions. So as far as the whole country goes, I'm really happy for the country. I really think in this election, I feel like black people already won. I feel like the black community's already won because we're having conversations we've never had before. Right. I, I, you know, I pay very close attention to things that are actually real and things that are not real. And what happened in this election was very real. It was it was it was just so real in that it's like, OK, oh, my God, like they're talking about poweronomics in front of 10 million people or he's on, you know, he's quoting Dr. Claude Anderson on CNN. Right. That that's what they don't want. But here's the thing. Um, th- so that's the long term game. I, I hope that the whole world eventually gets it. But here's the thing for you, right? So Ray, you're in here, right? You're in this conversation, uh, Latasha and Miss D. Like you're right here in this discussion. So here's what I I, I want you guys to do. Uh, you're you're not you're not in the congregation. You are the choir. I am preaching to the choir right now. The choir members don't need to be convinced. The choir members don't need to be sort of talked out of a bunch of BS. You're already on board. So what I want you to do is I want you to uh, be ahead of your time, right? I want you to to be the first to implement some of these basic ideas in your household on a regular basis so you and your family and your children can get ahead. And this plan, this civil rights plan, if you want to call it, or civil rights plan, whatever you want to call it, it's going to work no matter what the rest of the world does, right? So white people are fighting, Democrats, Republicans are beating each other up in the streets or whatever. Um, I don't see that as our fight. I do not care if, 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 they want, if Antifa wants to meet up with the Proud Boys and sh- have a shootout, then I'm just going to duck and get out the way. I don't really care. Um, uh, you got black people who, unfortunately, um, are, are a little bit stuck, some of whom just don't get it, some of whom may or may not get on board, some of whom maybe want to you know, rap the Cardi B songs or whatever. I don't know what they're doing. Uh, and that's fine, too. But no matter what they do, I want you to just understand when I tell you and I'm moving, I, I, I together my dental work, I got to kind of move my mouth a little more because I'm getting used to talking with like different type of different tooth structure. But but I'm going to move my mouth extra wide to say to you that I know this works. I have spent 25 years studying why some people stay poor and why other people get rich. That is all I have done. That is what I do for a living. And I will tell you, if you get your kids started investing early, boom, it's, 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 they're going to knock it out the park. But then if you really want to dig deep, teach them a little bit about real estate, and get them into an entrepreneurial mindset, they'll be absolutely economically unstoppable. Be careful about things like student loans. Student loans are a black wealth killer. How are student loans a black wealth killer, even though I've said it 10,000 times? Because people don't listen. 
because unfortunately this white supremacy thing infects a lot of us. They'll listen to white people before they listen to me. So white people say, well, you know, if you want to do better, come to our university and give us all your money and sign over a quarter million dollars of your family's wealth. Uh, and, and, and we're going to give you the opportunity to go work for another white person, right? Who's going to pay you more money, right? And then what happens is many of these college graduates die in debt. And they don't just die in debt, but they're really in the trap. They're in the trap because not only are they under so much debt that they can't pay it, some of us, some of the people in this room are actually affected by this. I'm just going to tell you what happened, why you feel like you're in the trap. You're under so much debt that you can't repay it, but then also you don't have the skill to go out and figure out how to make more money. You see, a person that understands entrepreneurship at a fundamental level at an early age can look around and say, okay, I need to make an extra $5,000 a month. Okay, what can I sell? Where's the market? Where's the opportunity? Where's the customer? Right? And they can figure that out. And next thing you know, they've got a new business system set up and they're making an extra $5,000 a month. Right? So, what I, so, so if you, again, let's, let's talk about the baby since the, the children are, 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 are the future, whatever. But, but then we are, we're, we're the present, right? So we can talk about us too and the children. But so if you want a child to be economically strong, first of all, you know, watch, watch what you do with that student loan thing. Like, I'm not saying don't do it. I'm saying be really careful with that. But then two, uh, you're investing for your child at an early age. That's giving them an endowment. An endowment is an economic cushion that will protect them from hard times. Since everybody talks about how hard it is being black, well, what does that mean? That means that a lot of black people are going through hard times. Well, why are you going through hard times? Well, because you don't have an economic cushion. If you had an economic cushion, then hard times will become soft times because when you start, when you jump off the building or, or get knocked off the building, you're not landing on concrete. You're landing on a soft, cushy cotton mattress, right? So you give your child the endowment so that when hard times come along, they can go land on a soft, cushy cotton mattress and not land on concrete and splatter their head on the street. Right. And then also because they, they, they have the endowment, they've avoided debt. Then they've also got this entrepreneurial thinking. Then they become like um, almost like financial ninjas, like like a child that's really trained really well on entrepreneurship at an early age. That's why I'm a big believer in like these boot camps or whatever. A child that knows entrepreneurship really well at an early age literally can manifest whatever income level they want. I mean, they can manifest that. Like they can literally say, you know, I, I, I made $50,000 last month. I want to get that up to 100000 If they have the skill and then they, they are skilled enough to have friends who have other skill, then they can sit down with some of their other friends, their other $50,000 a month friends, right? Because these people can't be black because the Democrats tell us black people don't, don't do well like that. that. That doesn't exist. That's not real, right? Well, all black people will be poor and on welfare. But I know black people who make 100000 a month who will get together with their other $100,000 a month friends and share ideas and brainstorm over a beer or, or some wine or whatever. Next thing you know, they're making $200,000 a month. I'm not playing. I'm not kidding. I mean, I kind of want you guys to really hear me when I say that there is a whole reality out there that millions of our people just don't see and, and, and are not ever hip to. They don't even believe it exists. They don't even believe it is. They think that people like me are just talking pie in the sky stuff. They believe that people like me are detached from reality. Like, like you don't know what it's like to be poor. I, as if I was born this way. I wasn't born this way. I started out poor. I had no money. I had no money when I was a kid. I was very, I know there's no, you can't be broker 
than I remember being when I was 25 years old. And I had no help. I couldn't call my parents and ask, hey, can I borrow $200? I couldn't do that. So what are you talking about? Like, this is just, I, I really encourage you, whatever you choose to do, and I, I've spoken on this enough. I'm, I'm about to walk away now from the conversation. I, I'm doing an interview with the Nation of Islam. I, I respect them, so I'm going to make sure I call them back. Just stop letting these people lie to you. Stop letting these people feed you, fill your brain up with BS. You know, the brainwashing is super deep. It's very sad to watch. And so many of our people are stuck in a constant repetitive cycle. You know, all the stuff that's going on with the election and this whole victim mentality and everything else, like they can only control you if they convince you that you're a victim. You know, it's like they convince you that you have a million problems that you can't solve on your own and they're going to solve them for you, which they never do. And uh, even if they just solve them for you, you got to be careful because the person who solves all your problems and, 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 and feeds you is going to basically claim themselves to be your pimp. So really, you want to solve your own problems. That, that's what I'm saying. So just be really careful with these people. They, they're, they're, just, they're, they're, they're harming you in so many ways that you don't even know. All right, guys, so I'm going to get on out of here. Um, if you haven't joined the Black Stock Market Program, uh, it's, there's the program. It, uh, in the program, you get a lot of free stuff. The first month is just a dollar. So if you got a dollar, you can give it a try for a month. There's a 30-day, 100% money-back guarantee if you're not happy for any reason. Uh, also, you get free access to uh, three or four different programs. They're actually $1,000 a piece, but they're all thrown in there for free. What Dr. Boyce is buying, where I talk about some of the stocks that I'm buying and why, and you can look at that. Uh, you also get access to the private student blog where you can come in there and you can ask, ask questions. I answer all the questions from all the students that are put in there. And then number three, you can um, get access to um, an archive of a bunch of questions I've answered for students all through the years. So feel free to go take a look. Um, it's better than anything you'll ever learn in college. Um, I can guarantee that. Um, and if you don't feel that way, all you got to do is email support at theblackbusinessschool.com and we will give a refund. We have no problem giving a refund. Um, I don't know what school you went to, what university, but they probably don't give refunds if you're not happy. Because if they did, they'd be giving all their money back. Because I know a lot of people who spend $100,000 going to college who are not happy. That's why we created the Black Business School, because we believe black people should have our own universities. And that's what we're trying to build. So that's why, if you want to know why, sometimes I ask for money. or not, But I'm not asking for money. I don't want donations. We don't do that. Um, but the reason that I have to solicit this is because I need this thing to be independent. I do not want... corporations running this. I do not want political parties running this because I'm sure that if we went out and begged corporations to give me money to share a certain message, they'd be happy to write a check because we reach a million black people a week. But I don't want any of that money. I'm going right to the community and I'm putting that, I'm putting a little bit of that pressure on you. Not so much to say that you have to do things you can't afford to do. I don't want you to overstretch. But what I do want you to do is I want you to just remember when you go start spending money with white folks, you know, ask yourself who loves you and who doesn't. And I'm hoping I'm showing you that I really care about you. Like I've dedicated my life to this and and this is going to happen no matter what, but I'm laying out that appeal in hopes that you will at least come in and take a look at some of our free stuff. Take a look at some of our paid stuff because we are the best in the world at what we do. Nobody else is better at solving the black wealth equation than we are because our scientists are top of the world. So anyway, I'm out of here guys. Have a good day, and uh, I'll see you soon. Thank you for listening, and uh, good luck with your investing. Just keep being consistent. I'll see you soon. Take care. Bye-bye.